pride and good order will be maintained in our city to the best of our ability. Riots, melees, and disturbances of the peace are against the interest of all our people and therefore cannot be permitted. Interrupt this program to bring you on behalf of the United States government. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Stand by. I'll be right there. Now, here comes the music. everything STL. It's Beyond FM. Bruiser Queen there was walking on my grave. Thank you for tuning in and hanging out. Uh, coming up next, we're going to sit down and, and hang out with Louise Post. You may remember her from the great band Veruca Salt. Um, she's got a new solo album coming out called Sleepwalker. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the tour and 
so much more. So stick around for that conversation. But first, we're going to play the first track, first release off of Sleepwalker. This is called Guilty. It's a Luis Post. It's Beyond FM. film and Louise Post and Guilty. Of course, uh, we're bringing her to the beautiful Red Flag in St. Louis on July 22nd, part of her Sleepwalker tour and the final date, I do believe. Is that correct as well? That is correct. She's coming, coming home. Coming home. Yeah. So that's going to be, it's going to be a party. It'll be yeah. fun. Let's hope so, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell all your friends and bring all your friends and your family as well. It'll be fun. So let's talk. Let's talk. Let's let me and you be frank for a minute. Okay. Okay. Because uh, I know you're you're a huge fan, and like me, we're we're both like you know '90s kids. You know, we 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 loved that whole wave of music that came from we'll say '92, '91, whatever, and just exploded all over the place and changed the way. I think a lot of people looked at music, you know, they became more open-minded to different sounds and, and things like that. And, and I know it was coming out of a, of an age where, you know, the eighties were just so weird, you know, like just imagery and things like that. And the things that artists did and dressed like, and, and just whatever it, it was a, a nice change of pace, especially even for me, um, you know, everybody, you, you could you could have short hair and be a rock star, you know. Once the '90s kicked in, so I thought that was pretty cool because I shaved my head. So I went from 
here down to my, 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 my tatas to, you know, completely bald overnight. It was pretty wild. Oh, you, are, you, are you getting a thumbs up? All right, we're, we're going to try this. Even though we have motorcycles driving by, so maybe we'll wait for like one second because we are on a beautiful Collinsville on Main Street and it's hot as hell in the studio, so we had to keep the doors open. So we'll wait 30 seconds, 10 seconds, whatever, for this motorcycle to go by. And right, now we're, there we go. All right. Luis, are you there? Can you hear us, Luis? I can hear you. Okay, let me turn you up. You got volume on your phone? I do. Okay, because that'll help. All right, let's um, try that. There, there it is. Can you hear yeah, us you good? Yeah, you can hear me? Yep, we can hear you loud and clear now. Cool. Yeah, he he doesn't know how to work his phone very well. <laughs> <laughs> Don't All right, I need to know. I need to know who the other person is on on the, ah, on the line. Ah, ah, my name is Tony. How are you? Hi, Tony. That's my husband's name. I'm fine. Oh, good. Uh, thank, how are you? How first, are you? I'm doing well. First of all, thank you for taking the time out to uh, hang out and chat with us a little bit as we get ready to um, kind of promote and celebrate you coming to town on July 22nd at the Red thank Flag. Thank you. Um, Tickets Thanks are on so sale much now. for having me. Yes. Um, so you're getting ready to kick things off, what, June 12th in Vancouver, correct? That's right. Yeah, and it's the Sleepwalker Tour. Yeah, it is. That's right. And are you pretty stoked? Are you pretty excited? I'm really excited, except, uh, honestly, when you say that, you know, when you remind me of the dates and I realize it's coming up soon, I'm kind of like... <laughs> Wait, what now? It, it feels very unreal. And um, it's one of those things where I've been waiting for a long time for this record to come out and to, to release it to the world. And now that it's actually happening, it feels very unreal. Like, wait, don't I have a couple more months to prep for this? <laughs> so, yeah, we'll be ready. It's just, you know, I'll, I'll get there. We'll get there when we get there and we'll be ready and it's going to be excellent. Well, we have been uh, spinning and and supporting Guilty as much as we can over here for you. And, well, uh, thank you very much. We are enjoying it, and the video is out there on YouTube and things like that if, if anybody wants to check that out as well. Um, tell me about uh, where did you come up with, why is it the Sleepwalker Tour? Is there any special meaning behind that? Oh, there's a ton of special meaning behind that. Um, so I grew up in St. Louis, as you know. And, um, when I was little, I lived in the central West end and, uh, I used to sleepwalk a lot. I used to sleepwalk down the street. <laughs> I used to sleepwalk all around my house. Um, and I, I literally remember like unbolting the door and going outside in this one summer night and going down to my friend Millie's house and, um, banging on the back door. And I, I didn't understand why everything was dark and nobody was coming to the door and it was really, I was starting to get mad about it because it just didn't seem right. And so then I decided, okay, I'm going to go home now. So I started walking home and there was a night watchman because it was a private street and um, everybody knew him. His name was Jay and he woke me up because here was little, you know, wheezy post like walking down the street <laughs> in her underwear at who knows what time, right? At like maybe one in the morning. I have no idea. Um and I was traumatized by being woken up because I didn't know where I was. And I was shocked. And that would happen a lot where 
I mean, my parents would wake me up. Um, if I was sleepwalking around the house, I'd be, I'd go downstairs and start banging on the piano. My brother told me he would, he would hear like one note coming out of the piano and it would, I mean, it makes me think of like poltergeist or something where he would, he would go down, you know, with trepidation, go downstairs and find little me at the piano, just playing like one note in the dark. (laughs) Um, so yeah, so when I was making this record and, and all the songs are, many of the songs were coming out of sort of dream state of like not being quite asleep, but not being awake anymore, like on my way to sleep. Uh, I'd be woken up by a melody and this idea would just seize me and I would hear this melody and I'd think I've got to sing this into my phone or it's gone forever. Or like in the middle of the night, I'd wake up from a dream of a full blown song, like one of the best songs I'd ever heard. And if I didn't like sing it into my phone right away, it was gone forever. And a lot of them have been like songs that I, that I was just like, I'll remember it in the morning. It's so vivid. I'll remember it. And I never remember it. Yeah. We have have a, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, so like uh, when I was coming up with the title for this album, it just, Sleepwalker just came out to me because uh, it just popped out just into my head because I've always identified as a sleepwalker. And I think it had at the time, when I look back on it, a lot to do with my parents having troubles in their marriage and probably just acting out in that way. Um, processing it. I, I had night terrors and things and um, I've always had a really active dream life. So when people started like dropping acid and stuff, I was <laughs> not interested in that. It's like, I'm, I'm good. I'm really good. I have scary dreams already. I don't need that. Um, anyway, so um, I just thought sleepwalker is what I've always identified as. And so um, I ended up naming my record that and then I went home to St. Louis to to shoot the album cover, uh, originally I asked my little brother Eric to shoot it, to photograph it, but he photographed it. But he has uh, four littles, and he's pretty in a full time job, and he was a little didn't have much bandwidth left, and so, um, so my bestie came in town and shot the photos, and my nieces participated in it. They were um, playing like younger me, and we shot the record cover outside in um in webster groves and the uh the inside is one of my nieces um walking sleepwalking in her nightgown um sort of representing my younger self so it's very meaningful all of it and that's why it's called the sleepwalker tour it's very cool when you can come full full circle and get family and friends involved with that type of thing and, and the art you know and it'll be something that you know, you'll remember the rest of your life and they'll remember the rest of their life. Like, Hey, I was on an album cover for my aunt, you know, that, that's a beautiful Yeah. Thing. And also, <laughs> I hope so. And also it was freezing cold out. They probably won't ever forget that either. Like our, my poor, my poor friend, Nina, who was taking the photos, her fingers were like freezing off and our, we were all running around in bare feet and nightgowns. And, um, it was like, it, it was totally St. Louis winter. So, um, we, we suffered for it, but it was so worth it. Cause I love the album cover. I love the inserts and it's exactly what I hoped for. It's exactly what I envisioned. Hi, Louise, this is Rusty. Um, hey. so, uh, talking about your, your new solo album, um, thanks for letting me be one of the privileged few that have heard it from beginning to end. Uh, I've spun it quite a few times since I've got a hold of it and absolutely love it. I'm excited for everyone else to be able to get to hear it, uh, on the second 
So, um, I guess my question for you would be with with this album, um, you know, how, how different was the writing process for you compared to when you had to write for Veruca Salt? Well, um, the funny thing is that I'd never set out to make a solo record per se, um, on, I would have been happy making another Veruca Salt record after Ghost Notes, but the the energy in the band just wasn't quite there. And so as I kept writing, even sort of in spite of myself, like I wasn't looking necessarily to write. Um, I, I joined forces with a couple other musicians that just happened inadvertently that um, I knew in my in, from my neighborhood. And we wrote some songs and recorded them and we're we're we still i have this ep to record to release but i put it on hold because i was writing so many songs that really made themselves known to be for this album and with ruka salt like i've always written on my own with ruka salt i've always written with guitar first or piano first mainly guitar because that was really the instrument that was a gateway to songwriting for me and I pick up the guitar, I play some chords, and out comes a song. It's usually like whatever happens is going on at that moment. It just lets itself be known. And suddenly I'm, I'm writing a song. It's never felt like uh, pulling teeth to write songs. It just comes out naturally. And it's sort of like if I pick up a guitar, this, a song will come. And in this, during this whole process, it's more like the melody and the song came first and just popped up in my head, like I said, like while I was sleeping or... Um, when I was listening to something else, I would hear like a little segment of a different song. And then a half an hour later or something while like making dinner, that's a different song would sort of appear and come out of that. Um, and I was just in this intensely creative mode over the past few years that um, made itself known that like, okay, I'm making a record, whether whatever it's under, I'm making a record. And I got like, once I realized it was really my own record, I got really comfortable with that. And it was really liberating to not have the kind of the weight of the mantle of Veruca Salt um, and on my own shoulders alone or with, you know, the full band, it just felt like I can do whatever I want. And, and it was more of like a self-exploration time. Like, what am I, what am I doing here? What am I, let's just, I'm just going to write the songs I feel like writing and, it was all just really natural and not, as you know, like not as guitar heavy as I've written in the past because it just wasn't, I didn't feel the need to plug in and make, you know, a shit ton of noise. I just, just felt like, um, just, just found myself writing, um, slightly different style of music. And that was just what was came out, came naturally to me. Yeah. And, and that's obviously at first listen, you know that I'm hearing it's a little, a little quieter, a little softer. Um, I mean, obviously, very melodic. Um, you know, there's a few tracks that. Uh, well, there's one in particular, uh, "Killer." I think it was right. Uh, I think that was the name of it. There, there's a there's yeah. a heavy song on there. Um, yeah, there's 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 a few exceptions. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean. It, it, you know, for me, I didn't know what to expect, and I'm I'm assuming the rest of the Salt fans are the same way. They're sitting on the edge of their chairs waiting for this to hear. Um, and I think, you know, a, a good precursor to this for, for the people that are waiting, um, your uh, demo uh, EP that you just you put out a few months ago, uh, But I Love You Without Mascara, 
uh, I think that that kind of gives a good lead into this. I don't know. Maybe I'm way off on that, but, um, you know, I, I, um, good. No, you go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, you know, that's at least what I hear from it. That's so interesting because those songs were written for the next Rurik Assault record. Mm. And um, that I intended on making um, with the band at the time. I think Jim had left the band, but it was me and it was, it was me and uh, Nina and Steve and Stacy. And um, that the plan was to, those were demos for that record, but on some level, even at that moment, I'm, I was, I was conscious of the possibility that these were just for me because of the sort of the temperature at the time of what was happening in the band. And I think I knew on some level that, that, um, I went in the studio on my own, you know, I made the, I recorded these on my own. I didn't need the band for it. I played the bass, I played guitar, I did all the vocals. And, um, I guess in that sense, it was my first, um, post Rugasalt like solo, you know, output, but I didn't actually re- release it and these songs until, um, as you said, like a few months ago, last summer. Um, and because a friend of mine kept pressuring me to put them out, the guy who played drums on them, um, he kept saying, you know, these songs are really good. <laughs> you need to get them out. And finally it just felt like the right time. Like, uh, maybe as a, it's just sort of a, an offering to the fans who haven't been quiet for so long. And, and I just wanted to share them. I just wanted to share them with people who cared and wanted to hear them. And, it was the first thing I think I've ever put out under my own name. Um, and for me, that was, that's the bridge. Like that's the important bridge from Baruch Assault to Sleepwalker is the fact that it was just me. And uh, I feel like the production and the songs themselves are quite different and they were certainly written in a different time, but it's interesting that you made that connection. Yeah. I just, you know, obviously known the history of, you know, hearing some interviews uh, of you explaining uh, the demos. Um, just, you know, I was trying to, you know, get in the frame of mind, like, and, and I think you answered a little bit. You kind of were uneasy, not knowing exactly where the band was going. Um, and in a way, and maybe I'm way off here again, that uh, it kind of parallels to this time because it sounds like, um, y- you know, with the band being on hiatus right now um, and, and, you know, you writing songs um, that maybe it's just, okay, it's, it's me putting songs out again under, under my name. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. It's like um, the band isn't active and I still am. And um, what am I going to do with that? (laughs) I'm not going to like, I'm not, this time I'm not going to sit on these songs for so many years. Like these are, these demanded to be like re- written and recorded. And, um, and it's, it's sort of like the, the faucet got turned on and it just hasn't stopped. And I, the only problem with going on tour and um, all of the things that go along with that is because I love playing live and I can't wait to connect with fans and in, 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 you know, in person, it's so meaningful and it's just a different it's a different aspect of all of this and one that makes it all even well, way more meaningful. Um, that said, the only downside is that I can't spend more time in the studio because I 
right after getting out of the studio recording Sleepwalker, I had like four songs on hand that I really wanted to put on the record, but we had decided to keep it to 11 songs. My producer wanted to keep it to nine. I was like, uh, how about 12? And we settled on 11. Um, and I had a bunch, I have so many more songs that I want to record. So I went right back in the studio and started this EP that hopefully will come out on the heels of Sleepwalker um, and haven't had a chance to finish it. And not to mention all the other songs that are just like floating around in my head and in my voice memos on my phone. So I just, I can't wait to record more. So when you, uh, when you put this album together, uh, did you ever have it in your mind that, uh, you know, that you would, uh, want to tour with it and then, you know, you know, how did, how did you put it together to where you, you needed a band to play with this? Well, where I knew I needed a band to play. Well, yeah. Like, um, you know, did it, did it ever, you know, did you ever think of just going out solo by yourself and playing some of these songs or did you always know that you needed a, a band with you? Well, that's really interesting because um, I, I really didn't know what this was going to be like live. I I really wasn't sure. Um, I definitely did not want to go out with an acoustic guitar and just have it be me stripped down. Although I'm not opposed to doing that kind of stuff for radio and um, special shows or, you know, various performances. That's just not where I am. Um, and in fact, as you know, from having heard the song, there's more uh, dr- like electronic drums and instrumentation. To, and um, I played more with tracks. And if anything, the only thing that I entertained other than putting together a band to support this album um, was playing to tracks because um, I don't, I'm not really like, um, morally opposed to that at this point i don't really mind that um it's really bold i i'm a big post malone fan um and i went and saw him play and it's just so wild to just see like one guy just like fill an arena with his fans and then just like play to his own tracks and he has a couple guests come on you know and um I mean, it's a choice. <laughs> it's really a choice. But I also saw him on Kimmel play one of my favorite songs called Go Flex. And I remember thinking, like, oh, that band is so distracting. Like, he doesn't really need them. Um, that said, that is not my, that's not my art. It's not my life. That's not my, you know, my, my trajectory or my path. I really love playing with musicians. And my producer on this record was, uh, no pun intended, really instrumental in making this album. He was really involved. He uh, he wrote some really creative parts. He was uh, heavily involved in pr- the production, um, especially in songs like All These Years, What About. Um, he really made some magic. And he wanted to be in the live band and, and you know, use some of the tracks that we recorded. And once he was on board, I was like, all right, we're doing this. We are we're creating a live band and this is going to go on the road. And I wasn't up until then. I just wasn't, I couldn't really make like, I wasn't really clear on what it was going to be. Um, and I pulled in Nicole Fiorentino who toured with me on, um, Baruch Assault four. 
and made that record with me in 2006. She she has since played in the Pumpkins and she played in these various other bands. Um, and she's incredibly talented and just a joy to be around. And I adore her. So I asked if she would play live and she, she came on and she's in the band and a couple other really, really like hot ass players. They came on to play. And it's just like this group of really good people who are, um, super talented. Uh, this guy, Rob Sanchez is playing drums. This guy, Randall Blaschke is playing guitar and, it's like they're super nice and humble and so pro and like it's just really cool so i'm 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 so excited about playing live with these guys well plus there's something to be said when you when you just hit that you know maybe a song is off a little bit at the beginning and then you guys just like hit that groove and it just and you're and plus your friends so you're just looking over and you're just like Oh, this is amazing! Now we're we're in that groove, and and, and the show's going great. So there's something to be said for that, and having full. Oh band. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be lonely if out there on my own. Like I love playing with people. I love being in a band. I've ever since I was little, I wanted to be in a band. Ever since I laid eyes on Abbey Road and Fleetwood Mac Rumors, and um, you know, whatever else. Like I wanted to be. I wanted to be definitely play in a band with other people and find that magic. And I feed off of it. I love it. I love being on tour. I love the, like the hilarity and the silliness that always comes out of being on tour and the magic that happens on stage. It's incredible. So uh, what, what do you think has been the, the favorite moment playing live, whether it be a venue or a, a- a certain city or anything like that. What, what do you think was your favorite? Um, wow. That's a big question. I, uh, I wish I had, um, one, but, um, I, I'll tell you, um, I'll tell you one that comes to mind. Um, well, I'll tell you a couple. One is that, I remember like playing on Ghost Nose when my band Veruca Salt went out on tour. I remember playing 25 and that's the last song on American Thighs, our first record. And it's one of my favorite songs that we ever released. And um, I had, you know, a lot of time had passed since we had toured together and I found this, I had this moment where my eyes were closed and we were playing 25 and I could kind of see Nina out of the corner, corner of my eye, like, like a, like a shadow of her. And it was as if we were transported through time to when we were first playing that song. And here we were like different times of our lives. So much, had so much water under the bridge, so much had passed and hearts had been broken and mended and, you know, here we were having this incredibly healing moment and um, playing 25 and it was if I squint, it was just us like, like in our twenties playing this, playing this uh, song for the first time, like on their first tour. And um, to that end, like I remember playing 25 um, in Paris and we were out, we were in Europe for the first time. We didn't know if anyone had heard our record or our music or anyone knew us. And the whole idea that like 
music could go, travel that far and that anyone would have possibly known anything beyond our single Seether was was probably pretty bloody unlikely to us that anyone would know our album. And we were playing this little club in Paris and and everyone in this club was singing along to 25, all the lyrics. And we just looked at each other like, is this really happening? And it was so just incredibly touching. Um, and in uh, when we got back together and played, uh, toured on um, this EP that we put out in 2014, we played at the Music Hall of Williamsburg. And at one point, um, somebody yelled out, I love you, or we love you, between songs. And the whole place that was sold out just went in, into a roar of applause and yelling and clapping. And I, I just, we just stood there, like for the longest time, just suspended in this moment of take, like accepting the love from the audience. And this was after, you know, a big stormy breakup, a lot of time apart, different solo records being put out. And then like having healed all of these old wounds and all the four of us coming back together. And, you know, for people who cared, this was like never, this was never, it was never imagined that this would actually come to fruition. Like it was a done deal. We were broken up and here we were. And the love that just poured over us and flooded over us at that moment was really incredible it made me cry it was really something yeah that's that's the power and magic of music man yeah that is beautiful thank you for that for that answer (laughs) i know that went pretty Mm -hmm. deep so i appreciate that very much how about we talk about uh i know you have a a new single coming out soon uh it's called what about um would you like to talk about that yeah what about um it's actually out now it just dropped yesterday and um, I'm deeply proud of it, as I am of this whole record. It's exactly the record I wanted to make, Sleepwalker. Like from the title to all the to the last song, it is exactly what I wanted to make. And um, what about was one of the first songs that that I wrote uh, wrote an acoustic guitar, and I, it was one of the first songs that let me know that I was making this record because um, I knew it was really special. And, um, it's really about like, uh, the being sort of being in the aftermath of losing someone that you love, like the shock of it and feeling really disoriented and not knowing like how to proceed without this person in your life. Um, and the feeling of like, you know, whether, whether it's someone who has like you know, left your life suddenly and you feel deserted or whether it's someone like who up and died on you, like the feeling of what, uh, what am I supposed to do now? And of like, how, how could you possibly leave me, you know, stranded here without you? Like when you've known such intimacy and had such a uh, promise and we're planning a future together. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and always imagine that you would always be together and like, how how someone navigates that kind of that life after that that measure of loss that gravity of that kind of loss got you 
All right. Well, let's uh, let's let's everybody uh, take a little peek of it, and uh, we'll come back here in a, in, a, in a moment, and we'll we'll talk more with Louise Post here on Beyond FM.
the best of everything STL Beyond FM and the new one from Louise Post, What About? And uh, while I got everybody's ear for a second, uh, just want to remind everybody that uh, we, we are a, a, an internet radio station that plays everything STL and surrounding areas, of course, we, we reach out to, you know, the Springfields and, and Columbia's and, and even further a little bit, but that's what we do. We, we support the scene. We have our own app. It's called Beyond FM 24-7. You can also listen online on our website at beyondfm 24-7.com. I know Rustin's got a whole bunch of questions still to get in, so I'm going to turn it over to him. Um, go ahead, Rustin, man. Have at it. All right. You still with us, Louise? <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. right here. All right. Like I said, you know, we've never had a call in, so you're the first. <laughs> Well, I have. Oh, you, you've never had a call in because you're kind of new, but I've had uh, I'm a the, Yeah, I'm the new guy around here, so <laughs> bear with me here. So, um, you know, that single, uh, for what about, it's only been out uh, a couple days. Um, have you gotten much reception on that from the general populace? Yeah, definitely. It's been really good reception, and um, some, like, some of my favorite publications picked it up and announced it, and... Um, the people uh, that I care, you know, most about, the people who have loved my music in the past, my band's music, um, you know, they seem to be um, from all the comments I read. The, they, you know, at least at least people who are commenting are really digging the song, um, and some very particular. Um, comments like not comments but messages i've gotten from people really special to me have just made me feel like uh okay i've achieved it i've i i I achieved what i set out to do and one of those is um for my younger brother eric and um he said like the song really moved him and that he thought maybe it was my best work and that was and you know that you know it, it was just the nicest thing to hear from my brother and my older brother Kenny. Um, he's heard the whole record and he um, he felt similarly about the album. And um, you know those those are the people that that really really matter to me. And um, you know it's it's like that's that's enough. That's enough. Um, that's enough good coming my way to make me feel like I'm on top of the world. Yeah. It's always, it's always great to know that your, uh, your art is well received. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, you know, kind of harkening back to what you said earlier about, uh, how you write songs. Um, is it with all your songs that you've written, um, do they all start with guitar or do you actually have melodies and then put the guitar on it later? Um, well, like I said, I in this this particular set of songs and the way I've been writing lately, it's uh, the melodies have been coming first, and then I have to grab a guitar to figure out what the instrumentation is. I'm where I, I often because I don't have an instrument near me, I'll just sing the melody into my phone, and then I'll sing the bass line so that I don't like this, so that the song is grounded and I can hear what chords I'm imagining underneath it. Um, if I have a guitar handy, then I'll grab it and try to sort of figure out the chords right away or piano. Um, like the song Hollywood Hills, I was, I was house sitting for a friend and, um, dog sitting. Um, 
and uh, I woke up from a, a dream where this female fronted band was singing the song Hollywood Hills. It was pretty like agro rock. It was where it was much more rock than the song ended up being. And it was one of those moments where, which I have often where I wake up and I think, Oh man, I wish I wrote that song. And then I think, wait, I just did. That's what just happened. <laughs> and this is mine. And so I went, they had a piano. So I, I was an electric piano that I went over to and I found the chords of the song. So it ended up, the piano stayed and that's how that song came about. But I had, I was already writing it when I had to find an instrument to figure out how the instruments, the instrumentation actually went underneath the melody. And that's actually my favorite song on the album. Um, do you mind oh. if we, we play a, a little sample for everybody on that? Cause I, that, that is my favorite. I don't mind at all. I all love right. it. Thank all right. We'll, you. Play, we'll play a little sample and we'll be, you know, Back in, you know, 30 seconds or so. But this is Hollywood Hills. This is Louise Post. It was a Hollywood Hills. You looked like hell. I could tell what you'd been doing. It was dark outside. We might as well. Cause the rest was already Oh yeah, that's definitely my favorite track on the album. I was glad you uh, agreed to let us at least tease all the fans out there for a little bit. Yeah, totally. It's hard to turn it off, right? Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's it's got such a good vibe to it, man. That's what that's what I like about it. Thank you. It's sort of a hypnotic song. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad you guys like it. That means a lot to me. I appreciate it. It's good to know. Yeah. So maybe we'll make oh. it a single. I, I, I I'd advise so. it because it, it, <laughs> oh, that, yeah. that do 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 is very catchy, and I love the piano in it, and it's kind of something a little bit different for you. And and I, I think it's I think it's a, a, what the kids call a banger. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So since we're on the subject of kids, um, so um, your your daughter um, does she have any music that? Uh, that you you know that she's introduced you to because I know I got I got two sons I got a thirteen year old and nine year old and some of the stuff that they they come up with I'm always like what is this and then they introduce me to a, a totally new artist or group um, do you find yourself in that situation often? Um, yeah, the the my kiddo is thirteen also. And loves Lana Del Rey, um, Taylor Swift, um, Melanie Martinez, uh, 
TV, TV girl. Um, a lot of artists that I wouldn't necessarily find or seek out on my own. Um, and yeah, Charlie has really good musical taste and sophisticated musical taste. Um, I like, I learn a lot about music from, from Charlie. Definitely. Um, and I find out that like I'm teaching, I'm teaching them music as well. Like all of a sudden I'll hear, um, I'll, I, I become what the weird thing is when I started to like realize that Charlie was listening to all this music that I had played for them at various times. Um, and that they, they were really listening to me and like figuring, like, following my my lead and listening to whole records and absorbing all this music and i would see a playlist on their spotify and be like whoa what is like you're listening to all this like you you listen to the velvet underground um you listen to pink floyd like you're listening to all these bands that i played for you and and they're yeah they're like totally like educating themselves about everything beatles um Led Zeppelin, you know, all the music that I loved growing up and more. And then they also have like this whole vocabulary of music, of music that I don't necessarily listen to. And I'm learning a ton about music from them. Yeah. Uh, so uh, a question I always like to ask uh, all my musician friends uh, that have kids, um, especially, you know, someone that's achieved the level of stardom that you have Um the, do they know uh, how big of a rock star mom is? That's so funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Charlie once asked me how, when I guess when they were younger, uh, what, how if I was famous, and um, I said it depends on who you ask, you know, because to some people, Rugasalt was a really big band, and of course, you know, they know who I am, and. To other people, it's like, who? You know, the girl from Willy Wonka? Um, so so it's just funny. It's like um, certain people, like we were household name, and I matter a great deal. And to others, you know, we don't, aren't anything note, noteworthy. So I, I sort of jokingly said, it depends on you ask, but I meant it, you know. Um, but I think that Charlie has gotten glimpses um in pretty re- in recent past of what a big deal Ruger Salt has been. And um, they were just screen sh- doing screenshots of various comments on TikTok last night for- regarding my band. And uh, there was just like this big outpouring of love from some post that somebody did like discovering eight arms to hold you. And um, there was this outpouring of like, of appreciation and love for my band. And Charlie was taking that all in and sending me texts about it. And, um, so that was really interesting. It was like to see my child witness in real time, like sort of process, like, Oh, my mom was in a band that was a big deal or, you know, is, is a big deal. And, um, I also, my kid has a lot of appreciation for my music and often is my first years on songs. And I care a lot about what they think. Like, I'll say, what do you think of this song? And if they like it, it means a lot to me because I think they have really good taste. 
So, uh, sounds like you have a very uh, musical household. Um, I had, you know, started poking into uh, your husband's band, uh, bought that new album. It's it's great. That's another start to finish great album to listen to. Uh, Thank you. The Brontosaur, for the people that are listening, uh, the new album is out. Um, I mean, I love yeah. it. I'm a vinyl collector, too, so I, I caught your... Uh, your podcast on the uh, the vinyl guide. Yeah, he has a, he has a bit of a problem. <laughs> so I told, I totally understand. Uh, although I'm new to it, um, how out of control it can get. Well, one thing you don't know about Rustin too is is he collects cassette tapes, which is odd to me. But and how many do you have? Uh, I have in my possession at this time over eight thousand tapes. Oh my god! Uh, one of those being. The year four track demo tape Wait, from the Baruch Assault days. The the really? one with the red yeah with the red cover you guys were handing out and stuff. Oh, that wasn't a four track demo, but that I was doing four track demo recordings, but that was like some you know maybe eight track reel to reel or something. Oh, did it just um, get but, converted to a cassette then? Yeah, yeah, we didn't do it on cassette. Oh. Um, yeah, no, it's interesting. We did it at this guy's home studio in the south side of Chicago. But I I do have, that's why I was sort of like, whoa, because I do have tapes that I recorded on four track, but we didn't release those. So people sometimes have, they have some of those songs that were converted digitally at some point. But, but yeah, that was, a, that was actually in someone's basement in his home studio. And I'm always, and, um, oh, go ahead. <laughs> Well, I'm just um, I'm so impressed by the fact that you have that demo. That was what I I brought around to all of the clubs in Chicago, trying to get our first shows, booking our first shows. I would go and meet the booker, I'd set up a set up a meeting, go when he or she was going to be there, and then like follow up with a phone call and just trying to get shows with that cassette. And um, we got them. People <laughs> liked it, but I was really persistent. I meant business. I was not messing around. Um, and by, and that, yeah, just to repeat what you said earlier, my, my husband's, um, album, uh, the Brontosaur is called Reaver is spectacular and so beautiful on vinyl. And, um, if you don't have a copy, you should get one and Rustin, we might even be able to get you one, just sent it, send it directly to you if you, if, if you would like it, because it is. Uh, it's so worth it. It's like eye candy, and it's incredible to, incredible to experience. And I've always cared a lot about our album artwork. Um, Tony certainly does. I I always have on my own. And um, it's funny that little cassette had just like, and our drummer Jim was an artist, a, a visual artist, and he he did the salt the salt shaker with V on it. That was his little symbol that he created for us and he did the artwork for that little cassette. Um, the little cassette that could, <laughs> uh, do you have any idea how many of those were ever made? I think we made like, God, I want to say 300, maybe more. Oh, okay. Still, I mean, for one of those to still be floating around and crazy fans know, like me to snag one. <laughs> I know it's incredible. I'm so impressed. And I mean, you know, the, you know, the importance of that uh, tape itself is, is great to me, but also uh, one of my favorite songs that you 
that you've written uh, is on that tape, Wolf. I mean, that's that's my favorite Veruca Salt song, and to to hear it in its raw form on that tape is is amazing. Wow, thank you so much. I think I love you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, 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 let, let me say this: we're not just well, you know, we're not. Uh, how do I put this? We're not like a radio station that's trying to make money off you. We're fans and we want to bring you home and have a, a wonderful time and a good show and see probably maybe family that you haven't seen for a while and things like that. And, and, and that's, that's who we are. And in, with your ties to St. Louis, it, it, it makes it even better for us, you know? Well, I appreciate that. And I am, um, you know, I, I love the song Wolf. It's it's probably my favorite song that I've ever written in Baruch Assault. So that's that's very, very uh, close to my heart. So that's why I, um, I'm really touched by that. And um, I'm not like a... I'm, I'm not someone who flew the, flew the nest and never came back. Like, I go back pretty regularly because my family's there. And I'm really close to my childhood friends. Um and I love St. Louis. And if I could get my family to move there, I would live there right now. <laughs> um, because it's, um, it's home to me. It's, I lived in New York. I lived in Chicago and I've lived in LA for a long time. And I, I suppose each one of those is home in its own way. And I feel that sense of homecoming, but St. Louis is in my bones. Like it's like when I'm not there, I long for it. Yes. And St. Louis is definitely a whole different animal. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And nobody who people who aren't from St. Louis don't understand. No, especially when you bring up the name Mississippi Knights or something like that, they have no clue. <laughs> I'm poking no, at Rustin. I'm, I'm poking at Rustin because he's from Indianapolis and he'd never been to Mississippi Knights. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I definitely missed out on that. You know, since I've gotten with this radio station and really dug deep in the history of St. Louis and its music scene. I, I've really realized how much I missed out on that place. And, uh, you know, we have, we have some friends of ours, uh, that wrote a book about Mississippi nights, um, with all the shows and like ticket stubs and pictures that people have collected from the entire time. Um, it's just an amazing book. Um, and it's funny that Tony brings up Mississippi nights cause I was going to, to ask you, so in in the back of that book, they list every band that's played there, and of course, I had to look you guys up to see uh, if you obviously you would play there and how many times you had. Um, do you remember any specific memories from playing there? Oh yeah, um, yeah, I remember. Well, first of all, I went to a ton of shows there before I played there. Um, one particular one being Fishbone. Oh, man. I was 19. Um, and, and I was, my boyfriend was in the band Blank Space at the time. Then it became The Unconscious, which sort of took over St. Louis for a while. And um, when I played there later, um, we it was when we came through and we were opening for Hole and we were playing with another band called Matter Rose. Um, so that was on our first record on American Thighs and it was probably like September of 94. And, um, yeah, I mean, we played there a ton. We played there then we played there. Um, again, we headlined on that record. Um, 
and then I'm beyond that. I mean, I'm pretty sure we played there a few more times. Um, it's like, it was like home to me, you know, going to Mississippi nights. And, um, I was really sad when it got shut down. And, um, and I, I remember like vividly, I remember the bathrooms. I remember, um, my dad would come and my stepmom and my dad, who's really much, he was much more of a classical guy. Um, but he was always so in like the show tunes guy, like he loved Cole Porter, but he was always, always came to my shows and he would, well, he brought my stepmom. I think he might've dragged her, but she came, you know, and they were like in their seventies and, and, um, maybe beyond at one point, like, um, but it was like so sweet that they came to my shows and my dad would go straight to the sound man and ask him to turn down the guitars and turn up my vocals. (laughs) And so that's one of my fondest memories of Mississippi Nights, just that my dad went right to the sound booth. He was like, can you please turn up the vocals? I can't make out the vocals. That is awesome. Dad trying to take care of you. Yeah. And also he just wanted to hear this. He wanted to hear the voice. Like he, he's like, why would I want to hear these loud guitars? That something is off. Like this must be a mistake. And I had to kind of try to explain to him like, well, dad, that's sort of the point. <laughs> um, it just wasn't his world, you know. It wasn't like it was just sort of foreign to him, and he wanted to be able to hear the 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 vocals. Of course, he wanted to be able to hear us singing. Um, and we were always like turn, telling our sound guy to turn up the guitars. So some, he was getting some mixed messaging. Why do you ask what my memories are? Is there some kind of like um, some kind of I don't know anything like documented that I should know about? No, 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 no. We, uh, you know, for me, you know, it's, it's basically living vicariously through the people that were there. I mean, I could sit and listen, you know, I'm a, I retired from the air force a couple of years ago. Um, and it's kind of akin for me to go to like, uh, American Legion or VFW and sit and listen to, uh, veterans tell all their war stories. So, like, for me to be a huge music fan, um, not being from here, and, you know, obviously when I got here in 2017, it, it had been long gone. So it's just kind of living vicariously through all the people that were there just to kind of paint a picture of what that place was because, I mean, it just sounded amazing, and I'm so sad that I missed out. I mean, I'm, I'm from Indy, and I'm only, you know, about three and a half hours away. And I have, I mean, I was a 17, 18 year old kid. So, you know, that's a, that's a long drive for a kid. Uh, you know, obviously I go home quite a bit, so don't bother me anymore. But yeah, I mean, it's, that's just all it is, especially from the artists that played there. Um, cause yeah. it just, it adds a little bit more color to, to the picture when I hear it from yeah. the people that stood on the stage. Yeah, it was, it was a, such a, a vibrant vibrant place like all the bands went through st louis played there all the local bands played there um uh here's a gross story um (laughs) so we played with we were on tour with the muffs and um make make him rest in peace um kim shattuck is one of the best performers and musicians and songwriters like that i know of um and uh she was incredible on stage and their band was so tight. It was ridiculous. And unfortunately, uh, one of their things was they were, they were kind of punk rock. And one of their things was the bass player would like spit up in the air. 
and it would land wherever it landed. I don't want to get into it, but <laughs> in this case, it landed on my on my monitor. So we played after them because so they opened for us, and I had to deal with it sitting on my monitor the whole time. <laughs> so, so how's that for like a lovely yeah, story? There you go. Nice for you. <laughs> uh, speaking of colors, I don't even want to know what color it was. So. <laughs> oh god no i don't remember i don't remember but like that's that was pretty grotesque um i remember playing there with matter rose and hole and that being like um and uh videotaping um backstage and remember courtney going like what are you feeling and i was like yeah i'm not, I'm not filming you don't worry um and I have like I have a bunch of Polaroids from backstage from the from Mississippi Nights, um, just great memories. Like it was just it was a classic venue, you know. It was St. Louis's classic venue to me. Um, I also used to go to Kennedy's a lot. I think that is long gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I mean, I grew up down the street from Cicero's and Blueberry Hill, so I went to Cicero's quite a bit. And um, one night I went down to Cicero's and um, actually I have a song. <laughs> I have a song called Cicero's that I've never released, but um, my friend bartended there, my friend Kathleen and um, my, again, my, my the band, the unconscious played there and they played Mississippi nights and Kennedy. So it was kind of always circulating around these bars. And, um, and I went down to Cicero's to, see my friend Kathleen, she was attending bar and there was this band playing from Texas called the Buck Pets. And, uh, they were just loud as anything. And they, they had like, I don't know if they're burning incense or whatever. There was smoke coming off the stage and there was, uh, this, well, the guitar player was playing, um, a black Les Paul custom that, ended up being the guitar that I played, not his particular guitar, but the one that I ended up purchasing eventually in Chicago was basically his guitar. And I wasn't even aware of it, but um, they were so good. They were like, they were like Nirvana before Nirvana. Like they were like before bleach, you know, they, they were so heavy and sort of ahead of their time. And um, I didn't know what, what hit me. I did not expect to see that band that night. And we all ended up going to a party together and that guitar player and I sort of hit it off, but I had this, um, had this other boyfriend and he, they ended up coming to play Maxwell's and I was going to college in New York and they wanted to like, he wanted to see me and, um, I ended up not going to the show. And a few years later I was in living in Chicago and somebody came up to me and said, um, do you know this band, the Buck Pets? And I'm like, God, that rings a bell. And and he's like, because there's a song called Song Song for Louise Post. I think that's about you. And <laughs> and I I listened. I I got the record, and I, he brought me the record, and I listened to it, and I remembered like where you know what happened, and and this guy uh, Chris Savage, and I remembered like that it was this, you know, it was the romance that, that never went anywhere. And he wrote a song about it and it's a killer song. It's amazing. And the band was incredible. Um, and so that's like, 
that's one of my memories from Cicero's that um, also is no longer, right? There's no Cicero's basement. Um, so, yeah, I lived, I lived through that particular time. Well, hopefully uh, bringing you here to uh, Red Flag will add another uh, memory of St. Louis for you. Um, it's a relatively new venue. I think it opened right before COVID. Yeah, because I think yeah. I think uh, it was being built yeah right before COVID, and they were supposed to do the grand opening, and then COVID kiboshed the grand opening for at least a year, and then they snuck it in at one time, and then... They were very limited, you know, you know how COVID was. It was very limited shows and very, you know, uh, couldn't have very big of an audience and this and that. So now it's, but it is, I mean, you will be, I think, pretty impressed with, with the venue. It is a work of art. I'm so excited to see it. A friend of mine, um, a friend of mine from high school, his friend like designed it. Um, I understand that there's like um, train cars, like shipping containers. Yeah. Oh, shipping containers, shipping containers, sorry, um, that are like, that are purposed as booths, like separate, separate private booths, or I don't know, I don't know what it looks like, I've only seen pictures. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to play Red Flag, I'm really excited that we get to come to St. Louis, um, I made it happen, I was like, we are absolutely going to St. Louis, in fact, drop me off there so I can hang out with my family after. <laughs> well, um, so it's, it's our last stop on the tour. Yeah, and I mean... Once again, as a huge fan and of yours and Veruca Salt, and uh, you know, I I've been in talks with your agent for your booking agent probably since January to try to get you down here. Um, oh my and, God. <laughs> and in the beginning, you know, it was it was more well, you know, she's she's doing a solo album right now, um, and, and I don't know at that time if you'd actually kick the idea around of of coming out with a band, but. Um, Obviously, I kind of just held off on it a little bit, just kind of seeing wh- which direction you went. And, uh, you know, I was pretty heavily in, in trying to get you here. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, all the releases online came out about your new album and your tour. And I saw the Ready Room, and I'm like, uh, the Ready Room isn't open. <laughs> it's, well, pun intended, well, not in the ready. History. And since you know the kind of the history of some of the venues that, that – came around so the ready room used to be in a different building and then the people who owned the ready room bought the atomic cowboy if you remember the atomic cowboy up off um, uh, in the grove and yeah that place i don't think ever got off the ground i think they had a lot have a lot of building issues and and things like that so so unfortunately well fortunately for us then i think that got canceled and then Rustin was relentless. Right yeah. Oh boy, he's ready to pounce. Oh yeah, and I mean, you know what? What better situation to have your tour end in St. Louis? Um, no, it's perfect. Oh yeah, perfect. I mean, I, I'm so glad that you're you're excited to come back home and and finish your tour at home. Oh my god! Then I'm going to go jump into my brother's pool. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we played. I played the Ready Room twice. The old venue. And my brother actually is also a photographer, as I may have mentioned, and he had a show at the Atomic Cowboy. So I've been there too. Um, and, you know, and obviously the ready room isn't ready for this, wasn't ready for this tour. So that was a misprint. Um, but I'm so glad it worked out this way. And thank you for being so persistent, Rustin, because this is obviously like the way it's meant to be. Yeah, for sure. And that's, 
you know, that's one thing, you know, that served me well in the military is my persistence. You know, I don't, I don't like the word no. And if I I hear the word no, then, you know, I'm going to keep trying until, you know, it's evident that it's not going to work out. And, um, yeah, there were several other factors in, in me trying to get you here. And I'm just glad the stars aligned to where it was just like, boom, you know, yeah, you can do it. And I mean, I just, you know, I've been on the edge of my seat the whole time. Just the anxiety's kicked up a level. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, well, I go ahead. No, I was going to say, I share that trait with you. Like, don't tell me no, cause I'll do it anyway. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's served me well, uh, you know, learning this promoter stuff. Um, cause I mean, I, I'm, you know, 20 years in the military, I did, you know, what I got trained how to do. Never really truly enjoyed it. Um, once I retired, you know, I was left with the the question of what the hell do I do when I grow up? Um, mm. And I knew I wanted to be in radio or uh, do something with music. And obviously, you know, being 41 years old when I retired out of the military, you know, it's kind of tough for a 40-year-old guy that's not had any radio experience or, um, you know, schooling, I guess, to to jump into radio. And uh, I got lucky with meeting Tony and somebody that shares the same, you know, passion and drive that I do. And he's he's basically just, you know, left me unleashed to, to do what I need to do to get get shows. And, you know, that that personality trait has has served me pretty well in, in getting shows here. So I'm, uh, you know, I love it. And, you know, the best part of the job is getting to do this, you know, talk to one of my favorite artists um bring them here uh to share them with everybody that's going to be at the show um well it sounds like sounds like we're both doing what we love to do and that's (laughs) a blessing you know and uh let me just say thank you for your service oh thank you my yeah my brother-in-law was in the army for uh probably as much time and um and he sort of faced similar thing like after um, retiring, like what, what am I doing next? And, um, we can only be hope to be so lucky as to do what we love. Right. And so I'm, I'm like ecstatic and feel so, I'm so grateful that I get to, you know, make this record, put it out and go tour on it. Cause that's, that's where my passion lies. I mean, I have many passions, but that is one of them that is maybe the loudest and proudest and most persistent, <laughs> which is the word of the day. Right. And, you know, I live by the, the saying that I've heard, and I'm sure you've probably heard it, that uh, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Mm, I love that. So I'm living proof of that. I love doing this. So um, so on this tour, uh, are you able to give us any insight on uh, what the set list may look like? I can tell you that... Um, Originally, my th- my my vision was to just play Sleepwalker front to back, and as I talk to people about it, especially people who are big Rukasol fans and are can't wait to see this tour, who haven't heard Sleepwalker, it became really clear to me pretty quickly that they were hoping to hear some Rukasol songs. And I was like, oh right, yeah, I should probably do that. Um, so I, I now it's like a, more of a mix. It's um, various songs interspersed throughout and it's it's an array of songs uh from the past from different Ruger Salt records um uh so there'll be some i think surprises for people hopefully happy surprises i drew from all of the albums 
And um, there, honestly, there's not enough time to play all the stuff I want to play. Like, <laughs> I had to narrow it down. I can't believe, like, this is, in a way, my, my producer slash guitar player, keyboardist now, Matt, he was like, this is kind of a career retrospective for you. <laughs> wow, that's weird. But once I, when I'm looking at all these albums, it's really hard. It's a quality problem, but it's hard to choose which songs to go on the set list. And, um, and the, the good news is that playing these Ruger Salt songs with this new band, even though I played them with Nicole, um, as she and I toured together extensively on, on Veruca Assault, these, uh, the rest of the songs, you know, I didn't know what they'd sound like playing them with, with different people. And they were incredible. Like it's just incredible. So they're going to be really fun to play. It'll be, it'll be great to play the new stuff and it'll be really, really fun to play, um, old stuff. You got any requests? Just wondering. <laughs> Yes. How, how much time do you have? <laughs> so, uh, oh boy, one you know, if I had to pick one, uh, obviously Wolf, um, uh, Wetsuit would be another one. Mm. Uh, That's nice. And, I've heard that one quite a bit, and we haven't worked that one up yet. I'd really like to. Um, so, mentioning Nicole, um, I'm a huge fan of hers as well. Uh, I'm a huge pumpkins fan so obviously uh the the era that she was there in the pumpkins um i I was (laughs) i was sad to sad to see her uh leave that band but uh Mm -hmm. um with her in the band are there any uh songs from the fourth album on there are they on your set list yeah yeah definitely we were we were eager to play some of those because you know, we wrote them together. They came about when we were together. And so it's really fun for us because we never like really wanted that iteration of the band to break up. Like if anything, I had found the definitive lineup to forge forward in the future with on at that juncture. And, um, we put out VS4 and again, like so deeply proud of the record. I loved touring with that band. We were so, so tight. It was like next level, next level performance um, and musicianship. Like playing with Kelly Scott on drums was like another, it was otherworldly for me. Um, and I used to be really like uh, really particular about all the fills and every single hit. And with Kelly, at one night, I remember just playing this show in San Diego and going, he was playing Spider-Man, and he was just going off on the choruses. And I thought, Kelly can do whatever he wants. Like, he's his own animal, and he is making, he's taking these songs to a new level I didn't even know existed. So I stopped trying to tell Kelly what to do at that point. And um, we were just such a tight band, and it was so much fun. But it came around to, like, the end of that touring cycle, and it just felt like, a few things. It felt like an uphill battle at that point, like making stuff happen for myself without like a big machine behind me. Um, it was obviously a lot of hard work and, um, and the rewards were profound, but like, it was, it's just, it's like, uh, again, just like swimming up river instead of swimming down river. And, um, and I really wanted to have a baby. So 
that took precedence. And so the band never really broke up. We never, I never said, this is it, you know? Um, and so it was, we kind of drifted away and drifted apart from one another. And there was never any love like lost between any of us. It was just a really tight group. And so Nicole and I have remained friends all these years and I'm so excited to get to play with her and play some of those songs again. Um, and again, there's just not enough time to play all the ones that I want to. How about laughing in the sugar bowl? That's my request. Is it? Shit. Yeah. We're, see, we're, don't ask us. We'll come off sideways. Yeah. Oh, man. I really want to play that one, too. Oh. <laughs> well, maybe maybe a special St. Louis encore. Well, you know what? By the time we get there, we will have had time to work up some new songs. So I'll, I will put um, I'll put wetsuit and sugar bowl in my back pocket. How's that? That's awesome. I need awesome. wolf. I don't know if I can do wolf. Okay. Um, I want to, Rustin. I really do. For you, I really do. Um, but that is like that is that's that's me and Nina. Like okay, just you know, entwined. Our voices our voices are entwined, um, and we. We did play it on our last tour, and it was just like such a joy to play. Um, and I could certainly do it with someone else, but it's like there's something very particularly sentimental about that song. Um, we'll, we'll play some other ones that'll make you happy. How's that? Uh, okay, can I can I do a one B? How about uh, <laughs> now? I've, I, I'm the one making the request instead <laughs> of other people coming up. Uh, Go for it. Straight. Is that another oh, we one? Got you there. We got you there, <laughs> man. All right. Heck yeah. <laughs> we got you covered. All right. Good. Said, <laughs> and by the way, he's 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 ear to ear right now. He's smiling. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, he's he's been giving me crap about this interview for for weeks since oh, I man, yeah. You know, cuz he knows how much of a big fan I am and I know like I guess I'll just come out and say, yeah, so, <laughs> um, <laughs> are you, you going to do it? No. Okay. But, no. So on one, I heard on a couple of podcasts where you, he had mentioned that, uh, you know, when you were growing up and, and going to shows or whatever, that, uh, Jackson Brown was somebody that you really liked and, and called him dreamy. So I guess, uh, you know, not to embarrass myself. <laughs> that you were my Jackson Brown. <laughs> so, That's so sweet. And sadly enough, the last time I saw you was uh, on the Eight Arms tour uh, in a little club in northern Kentucky, just outside of Cincinnati. And uh, oh my God. yeah, I you know, oh man, how old wait, Louisville, Kentucky? No, so it's uh, Covington, Kentucky. It's just on the other side of the river. It's pretty much Cincinnati, but in Kentucky. Oh, okay. Um, it's, it was called Caddy's. Um, it's no longer there either. All the good venues are gone. Okay. <laughs> so, Wait, this was on the Eight Arms Tour? Yeah, you guys uh, were playing with Fig Dish. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I actually still have that shirt, too. <laughs> So, oh, that's so cool! Yeah, I, I don't throw a lot of stuff away. That's a big problem. I warn you now; he may have a like silver sharpie in that shirt when he. Oh, I'm down. Let's <laughs> sign it all. Oh, I'll yeah. sign anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'll sign your Converse from the '90s. <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm just kidding. Yeah, well, they would have been. Uh, well, no, that would, 
I think you nailed it because I, I was a big one star guy. I wasn't Chuck yeah. Taylor guy. <laughs> I don't even know if they yeah. make one stars anymore, but I don't either. I don't either. But I signed a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> I signed butts. I signed Converse. I signed arms, and they turned into tattoos. I signed chests. Signed uh, boobs. Signed a lot of things. <laughs> so. I guess on the subject of tattoos, um, I've just got on some of the Veruca Salt fan pages on Facebook and Instagram, and, and it's just crazy to to find a network of people that are just as you know crazy about your, you and your band uh, as I am. Um, you know, wh- how does it make you feel, or, or what do you feel that when you see someone tattoo either your song lyrics or imagery from your band? Uh, you know, anything like any inside the booklet or the covers? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's like a tremendous honor to have someone love your music that much that they would want to do that. And, um, it's also really hard to comprehend, you know, even though I grew up loving music and being such a fan of, of so much music and personalizing the lyrics, applying them to my own life, like, and I still do, like, um, I'm, because I'm a fan of music, I'm a fan of musical artists, and, um, once a song is released, I find, as a musician, and as someone who is on the, on the receiving end of art, it is no longer the artist, it's like universal property, right? Um, it's sort of like breastfeeding, like, before I had a child, my breasts were my business. But as soon as I had a child, like, <laughs> my breasts were everyone else's business because like the, the nurse and my husband and the doctor and the baby and all of that. Um, with music, <laughs> it's like all mine until I release it. And then it's, it's for everybody. And that's the beauty of it. And um, luckily I got my breasts back, but you never get your songs back. They always, they, they like, they go out into the world and they become, um, they become whoever is that has, has their ears on them, whoever connects to it. And, um, so I know that I've treasured songs and still do. Um, most recently I've been listening to this, this Taylor Swift song, snow on the beach, on repeat. Um, and it's like my, I lost a friend recently and the song, um, I drove my daughter crazy by just saying like, we, we put on the snow on the beach again because it just, um, it was just my solace, you know, it was just the song that, that no matter how many people love that song and a lot do, it's still very special to me. So, um, and that's just one example. I could give you millions. And so the idea that like my songs have touched people in those very personal ways and accompanied them through important times, like I can't tell you the number of people that have said Resolver got them through their teenage years and and like kept them company through their parents' divorce and made them, you know, got them through really tough times or really tough breakups. Um it's just, it's like, it's the, it's the most rewarding thing I could ever hear and imagine. And it's also really hard to process that information. Like to, even though I'm a huge fan of music to know that like something I've written and put out there has connected with someone that much 
it's, it's the biggest motivation to keep doing it. And, um, and yet that extends to like the tattoos, like really, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like us, me, um, it's mind blowing. It's sort of, it's hard for me to process it. Um, but I'm, I really like care deeply about and notice and, and honor like the amount of time and effort that the Veruca Salt fans put into the fandom because these are some seriously devoted people and they connect and have met like one another and made friendships through like from back from the chat board eras, um, even before that to like now and Facebook groups, um, people are connecting through music and I didn't have that growing up, you know, like my best friend and I love Prince. So we would collect everything Prince related and we'd go out to the mall and go to the store called merry-go-round and like yeah, buy all of the place. Prince. Do you remember merry-go-round? Oh yeah. And I mean that store and it had all the Prince gear, like the, like the purple rain era. And we would like, we wanted to be him. We wanted to date him. We wanted like, we wanted to embody him like, and we would just bond on over Prince and go to his concerts together. And, um, and we would also love the Velvet Underground and we wanted, we would, you know, we'd all bond and that's how we, we connect, but like there was no internet. And so, um, these people are so devoted, so dedicated, and they really care about each member and like, I always wish each one of us happy birthday on, on the social media. And like, it's just, it's just lovely. It's really incredible. Like the level of support that I feel, um, from the fan base that we have, they're really loyal and really dedicated and devoted. Right. And it, you know, just my experience, um, since I've gotten into there, you know, I thought I knew a lot about you guys and your music and, you know, releases and stuff like that. But there, there are some people out there that, I mean, obviously have followed you since day one and that's, that's awesome. Um, unfortunately, you know, (laughs) my service brought me to different parts of the country that, you know, didn't get a whole lot of tours through. So I missed, I missed you guys a lot in, uh, in your heyday. So that's one of my biggest regrets is, you know, now, now that I'm older, you know, I'll drive seven, eight hours to go see a band and it doesn't bother me. Um, you're like, just catching up, man. This is still my heyday, by the way. So. <laughs> oh yeah, and I, I'm I'm anxious to be a part of your solo heyday for sure. Um, this is like the most important thing that's happening right now, like in in my life and in my world. So I'm glad to be able to share it with you because we have what we have today, right? Oh yeah, for sure, definitely. So, um, oh. I had it too. He had it. I had it. Man, <laughs> I was on a roll. I didn't have any breaks and any questions I had, and then I just—it's—it's it's like that old, you know, when the TV used to go off at night. Beep. You know, yep. like. <laughs> <laughs> I will like. I I will like go. Um, I, I'm I'm like pretty crazy about going to concerts right now. Um, I'm so busy right now, like promoting this record and launching this record. I don't have much bandwidth to like go to, to like go really to go to that many shows. But ever since, since the pandemic, when everything shut down, I feel like my appreciation for live music has just, has, has skyrocketed and there's nothing like it. Like the euphoria that I feel watching a band play, um, 
is really like nothing else. And watching the response, I, I took it for granted before, you know. I think a lot of and, people did, definitely. Yeah. It's a different experience now, you know, like just the fact that you really appreciate how much it took, or maybe it's just because maybe me, but because I know what it takes to tour, but I really, I look at how much effort went into getting to this venue at this night. And I know that this particular night is extremely, is extraordinary. It is, is a special experience that only I and this group of people will experience. And there may be YouTube videos, you know, videos from people's iPhone cameras, or maybe they'll do a concert tour, you know, uh, film or something, but like nothing compares to this sweaty moment right now, watching this live and it's electric. And, and I, that's how I feel going out on this tour. Like I've always felt as soon as the show, the show starts, like, all right, the boat is leaving the dock and you can either be on the boat or you can stay off. You can stay on the dock, but I'm, I'm heading out. Like, let's go. And it feels like a journey. And by the end of the night, I'm usually like sweaty enough to show, have to show for it. You know, that I throw myself into it. I'm always fully committed. And that goes for music as well. Like why do it otherwise? If the passion isn't going to be there, if I'm not fully committed, if I don't want to really do this, I wouldn't do it. And like, this has got to be full on and hundred percent in and two feet in and like absolutely committed and present or just stay at home. <laughs> like, there's no point. So that's how I look at music. That's how I look at making records. That's how I look at touring. It's um, I'm a hundred percent in. And I hope that the audience is there with me. Well, I hope they're there with you July 22nd at red flag. <laughs> nice plug. The homecoming. <laughs> yeah, see, I like that. That's it's called a segue. Segue. <laughs> see, I got a lot to learn then, I guess. Yeah. Um really we really segue. Yeah, we really, really appreciate you sitting down with us for this long and, and just chatting it up and 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 I know you you, you grudged up some some memories and, and and shared some things and it, it means a lot to us and um, you know, if we if we were here we'd all do big hugs and, and things like that and so maybe we'll get those on July 22nd. We'll definitely, hugs will be going all around on July 22nd. And I can't wait to meet you guys in person. And um, I really appreciate you having me on my hometown station and hosting me in my hometown. I can't wait to come home and um, play for my St. Louis people and um, get to see good friends and family and have a really good last show, a celebratory last show at the end of the tour. I got one more question and I, and I, I usually ask this of, of other uh, St. Louis artists. And uh, so do you have a St. a favorite St. Louis band that you can think of? Um, I thought you were going to say pizza and I was ready to talk about emos, but <laughs> well, that too. And, uh, but if we're going to talk about um, bands, um, I want to know what's going on with this band, sleepy kitty. Can you find out for me? They're um, they're really good, and I know that they're in St. Louis, and I know they were putting out music as of like 2018, 2017, but I couldn't figure out what was going See, on. I thought now. I had thought that Sleepy Kitty you know, naturally were from here, and I thought that they relocated to Chicago. Oh, did they? I think so. Okay, well, can we still I, call them a St. Louis band? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, we, I think we do play one Sleepy Kitty track. Oh, you do? Yeah. And is I it mean, called math? Is this something involving math? Let me, let me 
double check. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm doing my research as well, too. The one that I found on Facebook says, oh, okay, here we go. They're in New York. Oh, they're in New York now. Oh, wow. They really moved. Yeah, we play, we play what is it, Eliza, which is probably a okay. kind, of, kind of an older track, but yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to track them down and start listening. Um, you tell me, who do I need to listen to in St. Louis? You know what? I, 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 Louis? You know what I'll do? I'll send you some lists uh, of, of bands. And I, I was actually, I had one already set up. I was going to play Laughing in the Sleep in, in the Sugar Bowl, or I was going to play a band called the Centaurettes, which I think that you would really like. They are a, a great kind of, they're, they're, they're punk rock, but they, they, flip flop around a little bit to kind of alternative but one one reason why i really love them and and i think you can uh respect this highly so um the bass player uh, she has her own house up in north county like florissant or something like that but um it, it they call the base their basement wolf pussy and they do house shows in their basement and what they do is cool. these little you know touring punk bands and stuff they offer them a place to stay and they'll do a little show downstairs and they'll charge five dollars to get in and they give all the money to that touring band i love that that's so cool i love the idea of house shows that's rad yeah and um well if you would um first of all i have to listen to them now and <laughs> thank you for sharing that with me second of all will you play laughing in the sugar bowl first and then play them yep um, and then tomorrow because- when tomorrow whenever we send you the link then you'll hear both of them <laughs> really good <laughs> Well, actually, if you if you if you get up, when we get off here, it'll it'll be playing, so that way you can listen. But they're a fantastic, Excellent. fantastic local band, three piece. Um, just they're phenomenal, phenomenal to me. So excellent! I can't wait to hear them. Okay, well, I think we're gonna let you go because I think we 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 captured your whole evening. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go. Have, I gotta go have um, Thai food with my family. <laughs> Oh, that sounds delicious. <laughs> well, um, thank you so much for having me. Not a problem. And like I said, once again, we'll repeat it again. July 22nd, Red Flag here in St. Louis. Tickets are on sale now. 20 in advance, 25 at the door. Um, and yeah, show up and artist? be ready to ready to have a good time. Who Who's the artist? I'm sorry. Oh, it, it's you, Louise Post. <laughs> July 22nd. Yep. <laughs> All right, Rustin, you got anything else, man? You got her on the line. Well, you I got don't anything else anymore? I've got I've got a hundred more questions right now. <laughs> Scrawl all over this piece of paper. So, um, Louise, if you just want to hold on afterwards, after we cut you out here on the station, I'll just close it close it up on the phone if that's cool. Sounds good. All right, Alrighty, thank well, you so much. We'll get out of here. Uh, we'll talk to you all next week, and we'll leave you with Veruca Salt laughing in the Sugar Bowl, and then we'll follow it up with the Centaurettes with uh, Dear Diary by request from Luis. <laughs> so here we thank go. We'll, we'll, we'll see you all later, and thank you for tuning in to Beyond FM 24-7. The best of everything STL. You're goddamn right. Beyond FM. Chinatown burned down I saw you start the fire So deep, so sweet Alphabet Street What a poet, what a liar
crash onto the morning after. First act, no tact, what a playback, wasn't that a good disaster? FM. Just because we wear lipstick don't mean we can't kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs>